listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast, where you're going to be riding solo today with Bob. Uh, we'll just you know, sort of get things out of the way. We apologize for having to cancel the show on Thursday, uh, where we're going to do our week three rankings review. But, you know, Dan unfortunately had some personal matters that he had to take care of. And that's really all I'm going to share. Dan will give more details when he's back on. But uh, there's a possibility that we could just be riding solo here for a couple episodes while sort of Dan gets everything back in order on his end. But like I said, I'll let him share more of the details. But what I'm going to do for you here today is give the week three instant reaction. I'm going to go look at the scoring leaders for each position based on our league of record out of ESPN. And then I'm also going to go ahead and give a waiver preview. We're starting to get into the buys. I know the Jets and the San Francisco 49ers are on week four buys. So if you're banking on people like Matt Breda, Raheem Mostert, Le'Veon Bell, players of that nature, you're going to have to think of roster replacements. So we'll try and give some waiver options that will help uh, with those week four buys coming up. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started and go back to Thursday night where the Jacksonville Jaguars got their first win of the season, beating the Tennessee Titans 20-7. to And, I mean, not that that score was close, but it really wasn't even that close. Gardner Minshew, once again, super efficient, 20 for 30, 204 and 2. They really jumped out to an early lead. I mean, for any leagues that have two quarterbacks, I mean, this guy should have been snatched up, and he's proven to be a, a valuable piece. He, he doesn't hurt you with turnovers. He's ultra-efficient, and he can put the ball in the end zone. So uh, I think the Jaguars have to be happy with this six-round gem that they found to take over while Nick Foles recovers. And depending on how well he plays, maybe they let Nick Foles just sit the year and, and sort of get himself right for next year. But everything I see, he passes the eyeball test for sure. So the rushing game, Leonard Fournette had a weird stat line. If you look at it, 15 for 66 with a long of 69. So that tells you out of 14 rushes, he was minus yards. So um, he is helping himself, though. He had eight targets, six receptions, 26 yards. So he does help protect his floor with that type of receiving work. He was the second most targeted uh, weapon outside of Westbrook. Didi dropped a ton of passes, five for 46. It could have been a much bigger night. And the man-eating Chark, DJ Chark, just keeps it alive. Four for 76 and one. Uh, he's getting into the end zone. I think you got to buy into this guy. If he's not already picked up, he's going to be one of the highest waiver wire priorities that are out there right now. At worst, he's a wide receiver three, and if he keeps getting into the end zone, he'll creep up into that possible wide receiver two uh, area. As far as the Tennessee Titans... Uh, the positive is Derrick Henry still getting all of the rushing work. 17 rush attempts to Deion Lewis's three. Uh, he did save it with a touchdown. Uh, he did have 44 yards, but th- this is almost the fear with Derrick Henry is if they get behind, he doesn't do much in the receiving game, but it looks like they are committed to trying to get back into the game going through him because Mariota, while he threw for 304 empty yards, he was sacked a lot. He looked indecisive at times. He doesn't look like that same quarterback. They came out of the shoot his rookie season and looked like he could be the next big thing. He just doesn't have that dynamic uh, playmaking ability anymore. So I'm curious to see if this season starts getting a little lost here. Do they make the move to Ryan Tannehill? 
as far as their pass catching options, it was really Adam Humphreys finally showed up. Nine targets, tied for the lead with Delaney Walker. He had six for 93, and Delaney Walker had seven for 64. Outside of that, nothing to write home about, which is surprising with how many passing yards Mariota did have. But like I said, they were an empty 304 yards. So, um, you know, both these teams are... You know, right where they should be, one and two. I mean, there's nothing really to write home about about either one of them. Um, still like that Derrick Henry's getting the workload, but uh, it just seems like this season might be turning around here um, in the wrong direction for the Tennessee Titans. So let's go ahead now, and we'll start moving into the Sunday slate of games. I want to get started with the Green Bay Packers beating the Denver Broncos 27-16. The Packers are 3-0, and while the Broncos are... are are 0 and 3. That was easy to say. Aaron Rodgers looks good. He still hasn't looked dominant. And I know they played some really rough defenses in the Bears, in the Vikings, and now in the Broncos. But 17 for 29, 235 and 1 are just not Aaron Rodgers type numbers that you're used to seeing. And I guess to that point, the receiving wise, Devontae Adams getting severely out-targeted by Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 4-10, and he did catch all four of them for 56 yards. He's still waiting to get it going. I believe they play the Eagles next week, so that could be the time where we really see that Devontae Adams-type performance, but he's been really slow getting out of the gate, whereas last year you knew you were getting a baseline of like at least 80 yards and just targeted left, right, and center, but... Uh, it's a very slow start. Disappointing if you uh, put a first-round draft pick on him because of how dominant he was last year. Valdez Scantling has had good game, bad game, good game, and this was a, a very good game. Six receptions, 99 yards, one touchdown. He's really starting to blossom in that number two wide receiver role for the Green Bay Packers, so I think once he really gets that offense going as far as Rodgers is concerned, I think you could see big things from both Valdez, Scantling, and Adams moving forward. As far as the running backs are concerned, it's weird because visually, Aaron Jones always looks like the more dominant running back, but he only had 10 for 19. He did save it with two touchdowns. And Jamal Williams got more rush attempts, 12 for 59, and no touchdowns. He did offer two receptions for 27 yards, but it's a weird split because, you know, like I said, Jones looks like the better running back, but it looks like Matt LaFleur is willing to just split the workload right down the middle. So a little concerning because if Jones doesn't score any touchdowns, you're extremely disappointed, but it looks better because he got in twice. As far as Denver's concerned, once again, Flacco looked good numbers-wise, 20 for 29. It was for 213 yards and one interception. He just does nothing for me. Receivers, it was Cortland Sutton today. Eight targets, five receptions, 87 yards. Uh, Sanders, after a big game, just plummeted two for 10. Uh, outside of that, really nobody pass-catching-wise did much. Really, for the Broncos, it was the Philip Lindsay story. 21 rush attempts, 81 yards, two touchdowns, added four receptions for 49 yards. Uh, if you invested in Philip Lindsay, this is the type of game that you're hoping for. Even though Freeman did get 15 carries for 63 yards, the hope was that he would add more in the receiving game, and he just had a better overall game. So hopefully this is a sign of things to come for Philip Lindsay, especially for those that did pony up in the draft for him. I was always off of him. I didn't really believe what he did last year could be maintained. Uh, but this is a good sign of things to come if this is what Philip Lindsay does from here on out. Let's move to the Indianapolis Colts beating the Atlanta Falcons 
27 to 24 to move to two and one. The Falcons one and two. And really the Colts jumped out early. It was 20 to three at the half. And then they held on at the end with a score in the fourth quarter to win the game. But yeah, it was total domination that first half. And Jacoby Brissett looked really good for the Colts. 28 for 37, 310 and two. Uh, you know, it looks like if he's going to play like this, they have a great shot to win. Uh, most of their games, I mean, he, he, the offense was humming. I mean, Marlon Mack, 16 attempts, 74 yards, and a touchdown, which looked good. T.Y. Hilton, 10 targets, 8 receptions, 65 yards, and a touchdown. It feels like that's all this guy does now is score touchdowns. But he did come off uh, limping after he scored his touchdown with, I believe it was like a, an upper leg, hamstring, calf type of issue. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that, and we'll cover that on Tuesday when we look back at the injuries. But outside of that... Uh, your passing options were split all over the place. Targets, the most were four, and that was by Doyle, Ebron, and Naeem Hines. A few others with three, so he's really spread it out. But T.Y. Hilton, as long as he's healthy, looks like he's not going to be hurt at all by the absence of Andrew Luck, which was not the case a few years back when Luck was out for the season. So good things to come for the big three in Brissett, Mack, and Hilton. All are producing at very good levels for your fantasy team. As far as the Falcons are concerned, it was really, like we said, tough sledding in the first half. Matt Ryan poured it on and his stat line looked good, but early on, the whole offense just couldn't get anything going. Ryan ended up with 29 for 34, 304 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Devonta Freeman showed some life, 16 attempts, 88 yards. Um, I believe Ido Smith went out with, I believe, a concussion. So really, it was all Freeman in the back of the field. So... I mean, if injuries are going to occur behind him, he should get a heavy workload, which is what I thought going into the season. So promising that he was able to get 88 yards, still uh, having trouble getting in the end zone, only had seven yards on three receptions. So not providing that value in the receiving game like he was a few years back when he was the number one in a constant top 12 type of option. Julio Jones, another big game, eight receptions on nine targets for 128 yards and one touchdown. He's a stud. There's nothing to be worried about with him. Uh, Mohamed Sadu stepped up six for 75. Austin Hooper with a big game, six receptions, 66 yards, two touchdowns. He was always one of my favorite uh, tight ends if you just waited and, and missed on what was the big five. Um, you got him super late, and he has the opportunity to put up games like this. Now, it's not always going to be multiple touchdowns, but... Uh, you know, six for 66 is well within his range when this offense has to pass a lot because, um, you know, like I said, they were down so much they had to pass. So the real dud, though, was Calvin Ridley, who only had surprisingly one target, one reception, six yards. So if you were banking on him, uh, that was a big time dud. I expect him to bounce back big time in his next game. He's just been too good. And this is probably just an outlier type of game. In what was one of the more anticipated games going into week three, the Kansas City Chiefs hold off the Baltimore Ravens 33-28. to And once again, it, it looked slow out of the gate for the Chiefs. Uh, they were down 6 nothing, but in the second quarter, Patrick Mahomes puts up 23 points and really puts uh, the Ravens in a tough spot. Mahomes, I mean, it's pretty insane. I put this out here uh, on Twitter. It's, it's insane that you can basically expect over 300 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty much his floor right now, which is just insanity. So if the Chiefs keep playing this well, which I don't see why they wouldn't, you're pretty much looking at a back-to-back MVP type of season already. So just monster numbers from him. He was well worth the early draft pick when normally everybody says, you know, just wait on uh, 
quarterbacks, he's well worth getting in that second, third round at that point for what he's doing for your team. As far as the running backs, uh, you know, we had some injuries coming into the game. McCoy did end up playing, uh, and he, he looked good until he got nicked up as well. He had eight for 54 on the ground with one touchdown. He added three for 26 and another touchdown, so multiple scores. You always take that, and it's always a possibility. But after that, it was pretty much the Darrell Williams show. He took over getting nine for 62 on the ground. He added another five receptions for 47 yards. So if McCoy's dinged up and Damian Williams is still on the shelf, uh, we could be looking at the number one waiver wire pickup because any piece of this offense is worth picking up and having on your team. And speaking of that, the two waiver wire darlings from last week – Miko Hardman, five targets, turning into two receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown, a long of 83. He just has that game-breaking speed that you could see on tape, and he just puts it into the end zone anytime he can get it. He's a threat to break a long play. So once they get Tyreek Hill back with Hardman, and then the other uh, waiver wire darling, Demarcus Robinson, had another touchdown here. He had three for 43 and one, made a nice catch on the left side of the end zone there to bring it in. Looked like a a very nice catch. Um, so, you know, if you played Demarcus Robinson, if you played Hardman, even in a tough matchup, you were rewarded. Uh, Kelsey had a good game, seven for 89. Sammy Watkins, 5 for 64, good game. There's just so many weapons. Like I said, anybody that you can get a piece of on that team, you're going to want to do it because obviously they're scoring at such a high clip, you're going to get points from somewhere. For the Baltimore side of things, Lamar Jackson came back to earth a little bit, 22 for 43, 267. No touchdowns, but no interceptions. So it was efficient, but it wasn't the type of play that he has been putting on tape here through the first two weeks. He did help with eight rush attempts, 46 yards, and a touchdown. So he did get you that touchdown. He did get you over 300 combined yards, so you'll take it. Um, But he was doing it through the air as well. You just didn't see that this game against the Chiefs because it was really the Mark Ingram show for them on offense. 16 rush attempts, 103 yards, three rushing touchdowns, added four receptions for 32 yards. I mean, this was the hope when he went to Baltimore is that he would get the lead job and have the sort of number one type of workhorse performance. And uh, this is a game that shows that he could put up big stats. I mean, he had the most touches out of the backfield. Next was Gus Edwards with seven for 53. So um, more than doubled Edwards. So uh, he just had a monster game. And as long as he's healthy, I'd like him to have uh, big games moving forward. Hollywood Brown came back down to earth. He had nine targets, but only pulled in two for 49. So... Yeah, that was a little bit of a dud, letdown game. And then Mark Andrews also, seven targets, three for 15. Obviously, I expect bigger things from this offense moving forward, but in what was a shootout outside of Mark Ingram, you didn't really get much value um, that you thought you would get because the passing game has looked so effective for the Baltimore Ravens moving forward. But big things still to come. I wouldn't lose faith. They just played possibly the best team in all football. So, um, you know, what can you say? And one of the surprises so far of the 2019 season, we have the Buffalo Bills moving to 3-0, beating the Cincinnati Bengals 21-17. And it was really a tale of two halves. Buffalo was up 14-zip at halftime, and Andy Dalton sort of gathered himself in half, and they actually took the lead late. They were up 17-14, and then... Josh Allen led them back to victory. Allen had a, a somewhat efficient game, 23 for 36, 243, 1-1. One one. 
I know I got cute and looked at the matchup and played him over Russell Wilson and in a few leagues where I have both quarterbacks obviously regret that looking back on it but you know the game wasn't uh too bad of a game from Allen you just expected more against a very poor Bengals defense Allen did help with uh nine for 46 on the ground so he's going to give you that rushing upside to protect against a floor like he had it's almost 300 yards one and one total yeah you'll take it but I I thought there was a bigger game there for him Frank Gore, 14 for 76, one touchdown. Once Devin Singletary was out, uh, I know I got a lot of questions on Twitter Sunday morning asking about starts, and anybody that asked, I said to put Gore in. He was going to get the work, and and he did, and he punched one in there. Um, So at any point, I would take 76 for one, especially when you got him off of waivers. The rookie Dawson Knox showed up, three receptions, 67 yards, one touchdown. Outside of that, it was Cole Beasley with 8 for 48. John Brown came back to life a little bit, 4 for 51. But, hey, Buffalo's going to take a 3-0. and There's not many times you can say that uh, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. So I, I like this young team that they have built. I like the weapons that they put around Allen to help uh, get him to a higher completion percentage so he's not always chucking it downfield. So I uh, really like what I'm seeing out of Buffalo so far. Their defense is really good, too. As far as the Bengals, Dalton, 20 for 36, 249, 1 and 2. Like I said, it was really ugly to start, but in the second half, he started to put it together. Same goes for Joe Mixon. Finished for 15 for 61, but every time I watched it in the first half, it just looked like he was not really getting anything going. So I uh, added another 2 for 34 and 1, so um, you know, right around 100 yards and one touchdown uh, combined. Uh, you got to be happy with that, like I said, against a good Buffalo Bills defense. For the receivers, uh, you know, the, the John Ross explosion came to a little bit of a halt today. Six targets only turned it into two, two to, for 22. Um, no touchdowns, no big plays. was really stymied. I'm sure Buffalo keyed in on him because he was making so many big plays through the first couple of weeks for the Cincinnati Bengals. Tyler Boyd once again led with targets. He had 11 targets. He turned that in for six for 67. So if you're in PPR leagues, you're happy with him. Um, But in in leagues where you need to lean more on touchdowns, he has yet to really give you uh, that type of performance. Um, You know, we'll sort of see what happens when AJ Green gets back. He, you know, it looked like he said he's still a a little while away, but, um, you know, uh, I, 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 I just don't know what to think about this passing offense because it's been Ross with the big plays, Tyler Boyd with the receptions, but you know, really outside of that, uh, it's been somewhat hollow as far as the touchdowns are concerned. And, and another surprise, Auden Tate had the second most targets, 10 targets, six for 88. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a meeting of two 0-3 teams next week when Cincinnati plays the Steelers. So uh, it Somebody's going to get off the schneid, but you know, watch it end up being a tie with the way both teams have played, unfortunately. So, um, you know, we'll see which one actually gets uh, a win in the column for their teams here. Um, you know, coming from Pittsburgh, it's it's been a disappointing start to the season. So I would hope that uh, that's not the case <laughs> after we play the Bengals and we can get one on the board there. In one of the more predictable outcomes, the New England Patriots beat the New York Jets 30-14. to You know, what else could you say? I mean, you saw it coming. Brady, not overly efficient, 28 for 42, but did have 306 and 2, so putting up big numbers with or without A.B. 
Um, another player that I was asked in a few scenarios of playing, Rex Burkhead, 11 for 47, got in a touchdown. Um, once James White was ruled out, I thought he was an easy start if you had to play him in the flex or anything like that. I did it in a couple leagues, and it paid off. Sony Michelle saved his day with a touchdown, but 9 for 11, not what you wanted to see against such a weak, weak type of New York Jets team that was obviously overmatched going into it. Without AB, it was the top two targets getting littered with uh, targets again. Josh Gordon, 11 targets, six receptions, 83 yards, had a nice catch, um, you know, sort of tiptoed and, and kept it uh, in bounds. Uh, if it was maybe a little more inside, he could have possibly backed his way into the end zone, but I think big things are coming from him. Julian Edelman, 7 for 62-1. and one. I believe he left the game with a chest injury. Uh, I would have been curious if the game was close would he would have come back, but by the time he was out of the game, it was over, so there was really no need for him to come back. And Philip Dorsett, another key target uh, on the waiver wires if he was dropped once AB was signed. Seven targets, six receptions, 53 yards, and a touchdown. So with or without AB, this offense is going to be more than fine, against, especially when they get to play the Jets and the Dolphins multiple times in a year. And for the Jets, I mean, I'm just going to move on. There was nothing of note. Uh, you know, if you want to consider this of note, Le'Veon Bell, 18 for 35, but he did have four for 28. I mean, outside of that, you got nothing from the Jets who desperately need uh, Sam Darnold to get healthy over the bye week and be ready for week five. So, uh, you know, if I have Bell, I'm still holding on to him. Bigger things are coming. And with Darnold coming back, I'm still holding on to players like Crowder and Robinson through the bye because uh, I think both can produce with a healthy Sam Darnold. Now let's move on to the Detroit Lions beating the Philadelphia Eagles 27-24. And Detroit jumped out to a 2010 lead going into half, and then it got tight there in the second half. But Matt Stafford looks to be playing a lot better, even though the stat line doesn't look like it. But compared to last year, it's a lot better. 18 for 32, 201 and 1. So uh, a nice game there. Carry on Johnson getting the full workload now that C.J. Anderson's not in the picture. I mean, you don't like the yardage, but he did save it with a touchdown. He had 20 attempts, 36 yards, one rushing touchdown. So, I mean, he's getting in the end zone now. The workload's there, so I expect bigger games to come. This week, it was the Marvin Jones Jr. show. He had nine targets, six receptions, 101 yards, one touchdown. So these are the types of games that he can have when they have to pass. Um, Kenny Galladay got the targets but turned in a dud. Eight targets, two receptions, 17 yards. So, I mean, really outside of Jones and on Johnson, there wasn't much fantasy-wise on the offensive side for Lions. But, hey, they'll take a win moving to 2-0-1. As far as the Philadelphia Eagles are concerned, I mean, <clears throat> you sort of figured that with both Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson out, there was a big chance for not only Zach Ertz but Nelson Aguilar. Ertz had seven targets, but only turned it into four receptions for 64 yards. So very disappointing game. I, I thought he was a candidate for 15 t- targets plus, you know, with the weapons that were out. But got to be disappointed. And really, you got to be pretty disappointed overall if you're an Ertz owner, owner through the first three weeks. He just hasn't put up the big stat lines because he has other weapons around him. But you would think when there were two of the bigger weapons out, he would have produced bigger. But Aguilar, I started him in my league of record. 
uh, over a Curtis Samuel and he paid dividends. While he did fumble, he did have 12 targets, eight receptions, 50 yards, two touchdowns. So if either Alshon or Deshaun Jackson are out, I'm probably sticking with Aguilar. So I'm holding on to him. Um, Miles Sanders had a decent game, two receptions, 73 yards, but he's not really putting it together too much on the ground, 13 for 53. Uh, Jordan Howard sniped him on a uh, touchdown, but he's only 11 for 37. So I think you just got to have patience with Miles Sanders. It's going to come, but you're just waiting for the bigger game, especially since he's getting a decent-sized workload. But, you know, the Eagles will look to rebound next week. Uh, they're now one and two. They need their weapons to get healthy, um, you know, or, or else, you know, this is a season where they just got to sort of tread water until everybody gets healthy. And I think they'll turn it around. That offense is too good to not uh, be more productive than it has been. <clears throat> the Minnesota Vikings beat the Oakland Raiders 34 to 14. And what can you say to me? The fantasy MVP so far uh, through three weeks is Dalvin Cook. Another 100-plus yards on the ground, 16 attempts, 110 yards, one touchdown. He could add a bigger game, but this game was sort of out of reach for Oakland early, and Alexander Madison had 12 for 58-1, and so you can just imagine how much of a bigger game it could have been for Cook. He did add four receptions for 33 yards. To me, he's the early MVP of the fantasy season. He's just been so dominant. And Adam Thielen had a good game. He rushed one in for one yard, one touchdown, had three receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Stefan Diggs, somebody that I faded this season, and um, you know I was even down on Thielen because they don't throw that much. They only threw for 21 yards, but or I'm sorry, for 21 attempts, may I say, for Kirk Cousins. But you know Thielen's still showing the more dominant traits as a wide receiver. Diggs only three targets, three receptions, 15 yards. If you have better options, I think you can get away from Diggs until this team is forced to pass more because until that point, they're running right through Dalvin Cook and I don't see any reason to stop it. On paper, Derek Carr looks like he had a good game, 27 for 34, 242, two touchdowns, one interceptions, but uh, I mean, it was really a lot of garbage time, obviously, based on the score. Uh, Darren Waller was the man as far as he basically tripled the next person as far as targets are concerned 14 targets 13 receptions 134 yards would you love to get in the end zone sure but i would take that from any tight end so uh, i think big things are coming from him tyrell williams saved his day late i mean really late three targets three receptions 29 yards a touchdown josh jacobs i was asked about him uh, multiple times i was trying to get away from him if anybody had a better option you can see why the game got out of control. He only had 10 rushes, 44 yards. So um, I think bigger things are, are coming for him, but it's just a, not a matchup that I liked at all going into it. And we can see in retrospect why. And to me, what was the biggest gimme? Uh, like I said, I think in a previous podcast, in any survivor-type settings, I'm looking who played the Miami Dolphins this week, and I'm going with them because the Dallas Cowboys trounced them 31-6. to It wasn't that pretty at half. It was 10-6 to Dallas, and they looked maybe just uninterested, but second half was a different story. You know, what else can you say? If you, you played any of the Cowboys, you're, you're happy. 19 for 32. Would like some better passing numbers from Dak, but he still gave you 246, two and one. <clears throat> also rushed one in on seven yards. So, I mean, three touchdowns, one interception, 250 plus yards. And uh, what was a blowout? Another awesome game from Dak Prescott. 
Both running backs, Zeke Elliott, 19 for 125. Big game from him. Then Tony Pollard, 13 for 103 and 1 in garbage time. So uh, big performances from both running backs. Would you love Zeke to get in the end zone? Sure. But, I mean, Zeke can give you 100 yards plus on the ground in his sleep. Amari Cooper, I think they're going to try and do whatever they can to keep this guy signed. He looks like a true number one. It looks like the freedom from being away from the Oakland Raiders has rejuvenated his career. Six for 88 and two. He's getting into the end zone a lot. He's one of the highest targeted guys. Um, I mean, really, he dominated the passing. Other than that, it was pretty much spread around uh, between Jason Witten Smith, Cobb, I mean, he like Dak's been doing, he's been spreading it around, but Amari Cooper was the one that you wanted in the passing game. And as far as the Dolphins are concerned, almost like the Jets, I mean, there's not really much to look into. Uh, Preston Williams might be sneaking up as somebody that's just going to get volume because they're going to be behind 12 targets, four receptions, 68 yards. Devontae Parker, six targets, three receptions, 56 yards. But you know, Drake had a killer fumble. Balazs is doing nothing. I mean, I'm trying to not have any pieces of this offense. And if you feel like there's somebody on the waivers that you want to drop, uh, a Dolphins player to pick up a hot waiver ad, I wouldn't disagree with your thought process there. So now we're going to move into the afternoon games and one of the better finishes of the day, the New York Giants beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 32 to 31. And boy, the Daniel Jones experiment from the preseason has carried over. He looked awesome this game, 23 for 36, 336 and two, no interceptions. He also had four rushing attempts, 28 yards, two touchdowns. So four total touchdowns and over 350 combined yards for Daniel Jones. I think the Giants are actually going to look better offensively now that they've moved on from Eli. Now, the Buccaneers defense, like I said, the past couple weeks, maybe they're just a better defense than what we thought. Well, maybe Daniel Jones is just a better quarterback than everybody thought when they drafted him and everybody was in an uproar. So he looks awesome. You know, I picked him up in... Some two quarterback leagues where he was available. Um, in dynasty settings, he looks like a great long term. Now, I know it's only one week, but he looked at what he did in preseason. Now he did it in a real game. I mean, obviously, he's going to have his ups and downs, but you got to be thrilled if you're a New York Giants fan of what this guy did. Let's keep up with the good news on the Giants side of things before we get to a concerning bit of news. Evan Ingram, he was my 2019 tight end set to explode and Boy, did he explode again. Eight targets, six receptions, 113 yards, one touchdown where he broke a 75-yarder. Like I said, he looked like he could be a George Kittle type from last year where he could just put up big numbers on a mediocre team that's somewhat lacking pass-catching options, and that looks like what the case could be for Mr. Ingram. Sterling Shepard had a big game. Nine targets, seven receptions, 100 yards, one touchdown. I actually like to see what this passing game looks like once Golden Tate's done with his four-game suspension. I mean, they've got a great tight end. They've got some serviceable wide receivers. But the concern is uh, Saquon Barkley left the game with, I believe, what I saw could be a high ankle sprain. He's going to get tests on it tomorrow. If he misses any time, I don't see a run game there. It's going to be all on Daniel Jones to pass the ball. I don't know how many times, 40 times a game, but Barkley had eight for 10 on the ground. So disappointing there, four receptions, 27 yards. But uh, you're really keeping your fingers crossed that he's not out long term because he is a game changer for what could be a rejuvenated offense. So hopefully he's not out too long. Boy, it looked like the blowout was going to happen early. 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers scored 12 in the first, 16 in the second, and then got shut down in the second half. But Jameis Winston had a nice game, 23 for 37, 383 and 1. I mean, these are the types of game that he could have. Next week, he could throw for 210 and four interceptions. Um, you know, that's just something that you're going to have to deal with with Jameis, but uh, he does have that possibility of big games like this. For rushing, it was, of course, Ronald Jones this time after it looked like Barber was going to take over. 14 for 80 for Jones, 13 for 48 for Barber. Uh, nothing that I'm super excited about, but, uh, you know, flip a coin if you want to start one of those running backs. And for those that were concerned about Mike Evans, we kept saying, have patience. He's going to explode at some point, and he absolutely exploded this game. 15 targets, 8 receptions, 190 yards, 3 touchdowns. Did all the damage in the first half that you could ask for. And, I mean, it, he was just too good. So hopefully you held on to him if you were able to trade for him early. I kept saying there was a guy I was looking at. Hopefully you were able to buy because now the price tag is through the roof. So Chris Godwin came back down to earth. Four targets, three receptions, 40 yards. But when Mike Evans is going off that much, I mean, it's just, just going to happen. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about Chris Godwin. And O.J. Howard showed up from his zero-target game. He had four targets, three receptions, 66 yards. Not what you're looking for in a fourth-round, fifth-round pick that you probably invested, but hopefully you got signs of life. I think there was a question about you know playing another player over um, Howard, and I said, yeah, I think it was Greg Olson I would have played him over, um, but I'm not dropping Howard. I want to give him another week or two to see you know how he sort of bounces back. So hopefully this is a sign of a turnaround for a guy that's just too talented of an athlete. The Carolina Panthers without Cam Newton get a big performance from Kyle Allen and beat the Arizona Cardinals 38 to 20. Yeah, Kyle Allen had a big game, 19 for 26, 261 and 4. I think after this type of performance, maybe they can let Cam get healthy another week cuz uh I, the offense looked better than it has the first two weeks with him. Obviously, Cam's a, a game changer, but I think they can afford to let him get healthy if Allen's going to play like this for them. Christian McCaffrey bounced back with a major performance after a, a disappointing one against those Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. 24 rush attempts, 153 yards, one touchdown, three receptions, 35 yards, almost 200 combined yards and a touchdown. He's just so good, so dominant. I guess the rule of thumb coming out of playing the Arizona Cardinals is start any tight end against this team because Greg Olson had another big game, back-to-back games, led the team in targets, tied with Curtis Samuel, had seven targets, six receptions, 75 yards, two touchdowns. It looks like he could be turning things around uh, and really put together two back-to-back great games. And both receivers were able to get into the end zone. Curtis Samuel, seven targets, five receptions, 53 yards, and a touchdown. DJ Moore, the targets weren't there, only two, but he turned one of them into 52-1. and one. So if you played him, he saved the day. But um, yeah, it's just curious to see how this passing game is going to look like. It looks like Samuel and Moore can both produce, but those low target numbers for either receiver could be a little bit murky uh, when you have to start them. Yeah, I got a little too cute and played Randall Cobb over Curtis Samuel just based on the matchup in retrospect. Uh, bad decision, but... Wasn't sure what to think of Kyle Allen, but lesson learned. I'm going to get Samuel back in the lineup regardless of who's quarterbacking the Carolina Panthers. 
for the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray put on a decent game, uh, 30 for 43, but only for 173 through the air, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He did add another 69 yards on the ground through eight rush attempts, but he's, he's been a mixed bag. The yardage was there through the first games, but not the touchdowns. Now the yardage isn't there. The touchdowns are there, but he turns it over. So, I mean, he is a rookie, so you got to cut him some slack, but... Uh, you're hoping for more uh, from Kyler Murley. Hopefully he can tie in that 300-yard passing performance with multiple touchdowns one of these games. David Johnson saved his day through the air, 6 for 28 with 1, but he only had 11 rushes for 37 yards. So uh, he's saving it with a touchdown, but I think you come away a little disappointed from David Johnson so far. Um, I know some people took him in the first round thinking he'd bounce back. He's had some good games, not anything great so far, but... If he's able to score, you're going to take it. Christian Kirk paced the team in targets. 12 targets, 10 receptions, 59 yards. Didn't get into the end zone. Larry Fitzgerald was able to get in on 5 for 36 and 1. So, like I said, a mixed bag from the Cardinals. I think you want to see more from them. But, uh, obviously, the offense looks light years ahead of where it has been uh, since, really, Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer have been off the team. So, uh, I think it's only going to get off from here, but uh, this could be a long year for the Cardinals overall. And speaking of long years, the Steelers go to 0-3, getting beat by the San Francisco 49ers 24-20. And I believe there was some historical precedence with how many times the 49ers turned the ball over in this game. It seemed like every time you looked, the Steelers' defense was turning it over, but still the Steelers found a way to lose the game. I believe they were the first team in 46 games. I'm just going off the top of my head with what I saw in the game to lose a game when having five or more turnovers, I believe. Yeah, on the San Francisco side of things, it was ugly for Jimmy Garoppolo. 23 for 32, 277, one touchdown, two interceptions. I believe there were mishandled snaps left and right. So, I mean, there was just turnovers everywhere that you look for this offense, but they still found a way to win. I mean, it was pretty much a split backfield uh, as far as attempts-wise between Mostert and Breda. Mostert 12 for 79, Breda 14 for 68, but there he is. Jeff Wilson Jr., 8 for 18 and two touchdowns. So if he's getting the goal line work, he could probably be a pickup even though there's two other running backs that seem to be playing very well. For the pass catchers, he was okay. Uh, Kittle, 6 for 57. Uh, Debo Samuel, 3 for 44. Pettis, 4 for 20. He got into the end zone, but... Uh, Really, I mean, just a disappointing game for the Steelers. They, they should have won this game, but, uh, boy, uh, you know, let's move on to the Steelers' side of things. Mason Rudolph was okay. I wouldn't say anything great. 14 for 27, 174 and 2. Did have an interception. But James Conner was the killer. I, I was talking to some friends during this game. It's just Conner's been looking mediocre at best. 13 for 43 on the ground, but he had a costly fumble at the end that gave the San Francisco 49ers the chance to take the lead after, like I said, a dominant performance from the defense early on. Minka Fitzpatrick looked great. I think he had multiple turnovers caused, but Connor with a crucial turnover that you just can't have. As far as the pass catchers, Juju was able to finally get it going on a long play. Other than that, it was, like I said, a mixed bag. Seven targets, three receptions, 81 yards, but he took one to the house on 76 yards, so really outside of that, it was two for five. So needed that long play. Hopefully he's going to continue to be heavily targeted, but it doesn't look like the same upside that somebody like myself 
thought of when uh, I took him in the first round, uh, back into the first round of our League of Record draft. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, looks like they could be forced to pass a little bit more if James Conner's not going to be able to run the ball very well. The rookie Deontay Johnson had a good game as his first start of his career. Six targets, three receptions, 52 yards, one touchdown. Was able to get behind a defender that was peeking in the backfield for a wide-open touchdown. Uh, James Washington, I think you should just be patient. Uh, like I said, he had a rapport with Mason Rudolph in college, but he only had four targets, two receptions, 14 yards, and Vance McDonald with a dud. Two targets, one reception, 10 yards. Um yeah, I don't know what to expect. I mean, with the Bengals, you should fire up the people you normally fire up, but this could be a long season. Miami could be getting a high draft pick if the Steelers don't turn things around here because it's looking a game they shouldn't have thrown away. They found a way to throw it away. So uh, not looking good for the Steelers. And now onto the Houston Texans beating the Los Angeles Chargers 27-20. to uh, first half, it was really the Chargers up 17-7 going into half, but Deshaun Watson was able to get it going. Another good stat line from him. 25 for 34, 351, three touchdowns. Added another 18 yards on the ground. So, yeah, it looks like he's just going to have to pass the ball a lot. Carlos High was able to get in the end zone, but inefficient, 10 for 19 on the ground. Duke Johnson doesn't even look like he's a part of the rushing attack anymore with two rush attempts for two yards. Uh, Kenny Stills uh, paced the well, paced the team as far as yards are concerned. He had six targets, four receptions, 89 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, somewhat of a disappointing game if you're not in a PPR setting. Seven targets, uh, six receptions, 67 yards. Will Fuller had seven targets, five receptions, 51 yards. Um, and Kiki QT is somebody that can be dropped. He wasn't even a part of the passing game for the Houston Texans. So somebody I had some high hopes for might have to be somebody that you pick up off of the uh, waiver wires when he actually shows something. I dropped him in, in my league of record team, so I'm done with him. But it was really the tight ends that did the damage. Jordan Aikens, three receptions, 73 yards, two touchdown, and Darren Fells, five for 49 and one. So if you had the balls to play any of those guys, good on you because they paid off for you in a, in a big way. As far as the Chargers were concerned, it was a, a good game from Phillip Rivers, 31 for 46, 318 and 2. Normally when he's passing like that, you think they have a chance to win. And I mean, they did have a chance to win, but, uh, you know, Houston just found a way to win it. Eckler sort of came back to earth rushing wise, only 9 for 36, did save the day, 7 targets, 7 receptions, 45 yards. So like I said, you just he offers you that safety on his floor with the high upside because he does so much in the past game that you gotta love. But really, it was the Keenan Allen show. 17 targets, more than doubled anyone near him. 13 receptions, 183 yards, two touchdowns. Complete stud. I mean, you gotta love what you're seeing from him. But outside of him, Eckler, Mike Williams was okay, three for 45. Not really much to write home about, especially when Phillip Rivers is passing that much. So if it's anybody other than Eckler or... Allen, I don't know if I'm really banking on too many other players from that offense. And the last game we're going to recap in the Week 3 instant reaction is the New Orleans Saints getting a win 33-27 over the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. So that's a big win for New Orleans. Teddy Bridgewater looked efficient. Didn't put up big yards, but 19 for 27, 177 and 2 with no interceptions. Got to like that. 
But really, it looks like he leaned on Alvin Kamara. 16 rush attempts, 69 yards, one touchdown. 10 targets in the pass game, 9 receptions, 92 yards, one touchdown. So I think Kamara's going to be that safety valve that's going to help provide that protection for Teddy Bridgewater. So I think Kamara's set up for a monster couple weeks here until Drew Brees comes back. Not that he wasn't doing this type of stuff with Brees, but boy, this was a huge game from Kamara. Michael Thomas had a good game, seven targets, five receptions, 54 yards, one touchdown. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of curious if, if Bridgewater's uh, going to be dumping it down to Kamara, you know, if, if Thomas can keep this going. I mean, if he doesn't get into the end zone, it's, it's a disappointment, but uh, he's such a good receiver. I, I think Bridgewater's going to look at him more, more often. Um, I mean, you like seven targets, but I, I think there's room for even more once Bridgewater gets more acclimated back into being the starting quarterback for the team. Russell Wilson had a big stat game, 32 for 50, 406 and two, no interceptions. Like I said, I got a little cute and played Josh Allen over him based on the matchup against the Bengals, but obviously in retrospect, that was not a good plan. Uh, Chris Carson, you got to wonder if Rashad Penny gets healthy, is is um, is he going to cut into Carson's workload? Carson again with the fumbling problems. I mean, he still led the team. In rushing, 15 for 53, but, uh, you know, Russell Wilson was the one that was able to run them in. So Russell had four combined touchdowns. He did seven for 51. So over 450 combined yards and four touchdowns from Russell Wilson. So monster game. But, yeah, I'm starting to get nervous as a Carson owner in a few leagues. If he can't get this uh, fumbling issue out of the way, I think a healthy Rashad Penny is going to have to start cutting into that workload because you can't be giving. I mean, in theory, they should have lost to the Steelers, who obviously found a way to lose that game when Carson had some costly fumbles. So they're lucky to be two and one at this point with as many fumbles as he's had. And for passing, it was really the Tyler Lockett show: fourteen targets, eleven receptions, one hundred and fifty-four yards, one touchdown. You got to love that after a slow. Uh, first game, he's really started to turn it on and is getting the targets and reception numbers that you thought he could with Doug Baldwin completely out of the picture. Will Disley, we mentioned him last week as a waiver wire pickup. Seven targets, six receptions, 62 yards, and a touchdown. The guy just seems to know how to get into the end zone for Russell Wilson. So if you have any tight end injuries or you just got a tight end you're not pleased with, I would give him a shot. There, there's no reason not to because he's getting into the end zone back-to-back games. DK Metcalf had a decent game, only had two receptions, but did get 67 yards. I still think if Russell's going to have to pass that much, he's going to have some big games. So, you know, I like what I've seen from the Seattle passing game. Uh, Wilson is as efficient as they come. He barely turns the ball over, and it looks like he's got his favorite weapon. So Lockett, Metcalf, Disley, I'm I'm buying into those guys. But once again, keeping an eye out on what happens when Rashad Penny's healthy because Carson's just killing them with the fumbles. So that's all for the week three instant reaction. We'll cover the Sunday night and Monday night games uh, on the Tuesday episode. But I'm going to go ahead and look at the week three leaders based on our league of record scoring format for each position. If you've listened to the Not Takes Fantasy Football podcast before, you know just how much we love the draft app. We continually do best ball drafts throughout the year, and during the season, we have a weekly segment called Getting Drafty on Draft that drops every Thursday. Now we are proud to announce our affiliation with the best fantasy app out there. We would greatly appreciate if you would support our show by using our new link, draft.com forward slash not takes. For those of you that don't already have a FanDuel or Draft account, 
Signing up to draft using that link gets you a free $3 entry to any contest of your choice after your initial deposit. We personally recommend a season-long best ball draft, and trust us, when you start, you're going to be hooked. Once you get your account situated, come challenge myself or Dan on draft. You can find me, Bob, on draft at NotTakesBob, that's N-O-T-T-A-K-E-S-B-O-B. And you can find Dan at DJ Benoit 33 that's D-J-B-E-N-W-A-33. Once again, our link is draft.com forward slash not takes. That's N-O-T-T-A-K-E-S. We can't wait to see you all get drafty on draft with us. For the quarterbacks, based on our League of Records scoring, our top five goes as follows. Russell Wilson scored 55 fantasy points against New Orleans. So he paced the quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, who I saw as I was recording from Adam Schefter, became the first NFL rookie quarterback with at least 300 passing yards two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns in a single game since 1970 finished second with 49 fantasy points patrick mahomes finished third with 43 deshaun watson finished fourth with 42 and kyle allen against the arizona cardinals put up 39 fantasy points to finish out the top five Let's move on to running backs. Mark Ingram, off of his three-touchdown performance, had 38 fantasy points. Christian McCaffrey, 36.5. That's sort of what he does. Alvin Kamara, 31.5. That's sort of what he does. Dalvin Cook, 27. Once again, I'll say it. That's sort of what he does. And Philip Lindsay bounced back with 26 to round up the top five. Wide receiver-wise, the number one, and it was just a matter of time before this blow-up occurred, but Mike Evans finished with 46 fantasy points to pace the wide receivers so far. Keenan Allen had a big game, 41.5 fantasy points. Tyler Lockett, 31.5. Sterling Shepard, 28.5. Julio Jones, 27. And, And just a reminder, we do give bonuses for over 100 yards, so that's why there could be some names in here that might surprise, but based on our League of Records scoring, that is our top five wide receivers. Tight ends, we got Evan Ingram, 31 fantasy points. Jordan Aikens, for all of the 0.1% of people in ESPN leagues that started him, uh, was second with 26.5 points. Darren Waller, 24.5. Greg Olson, 22. And Austin Hooper with 21. And for defenses, the number one was the Jets with 20 fantasy points. Uh, I think they had a score, so that helped on their end. Jacksonville Jaguars, 19, Panthers, 19, Packers, 19, and the Patriots with 18. So those are our top five finishes based on our League of Records scoring. And once again, to remind you before we go into our waiver wire pickups, week four starts the first set of bye weeks. We have the New York Jets and San Francisco 49ers. So you want to make sure you're very aware of buys. And here I'll give you some players that could help fill those buys if you have a key player from either of those teams that you're banking on. So once again, I'm going to go off of ESPN's ownership percentage uh, when I go over these percentages. And I'm going to start with the quarterbacks. Obviously, Daniel Jones, 12.7% owned. You got to see if this is just going to be something that is the start of something special for him. So... I would pick him up if you could sit two quarterbacks and maybe see if it pans out for him. Jacoby Brissett has looked better as the weeks have gone by. 18.6%. He gets Oakland next, who 
got destroyed really any which way they wanted by the Minnesota Vikings. And if Cam Newton is out another week, Kyle Allen looked good. He's only 0.9% owned, so he might be the most available quarterback that you can get that could produce big numbers. For the running backs, you got to look at Frank Gore. Devin Singletary's out. He got the workload you expect, and he's always a threat to get one in the end zone if they get it close. He he is 44.3% owned. Daryl Williams, once again, if Damian and LaShawn are both out for the Chiefs, Daryl Williams could be the number one overall pickup, 0.3% owned, so he's readily available out there. Uh, Could be set up for a big day, regardless of who the Chiefs play. Give me anybody on their team that's available on waivers. Then Jeff Wilson Jr., he might not get the yards, but you give me four rushing touchdowns combined over two weeks, you got to be somebody to consider at 2.7% owned. Wide receivers, to me, it's still, if you need to fill a spot, this is where you do it on the waivers. Demarcus Robinson still only owns 62.4%. Get him at 100%, and that goes with Miko Hardman, 44.3%. So I'm targeting any Chiefs that are on the waiver wires immediately. Nelson Aguilar, if both Alshon and DJX are out, he's uh, 37% owned. DJ Chark, I mean, he looks like the number one on Jacksonville's team, and Gardner Minshew is really focusing on him in the pass attack. So the man-eating Chark is only 41% owned. Philip Dorsett, 5.2% owned. It looks like he's the third wide receiver. And as you saw in week one, he could put up big games. He can get into the end zone. And Deontay Johnson, 0.7% owned, got himself in the end zone. And who knows? Maybe he could be the number two wide receiver in Pittsburgh. I would take a flyer on it. And then for tight ends, Will Disley, 24.3% owned. Uh, you know, if you need tight end help, I would look there first um, immediately. And then we normally don't do defenses, but just because they are playing the Dolphins next week, Los Angeles Chargers could be the number one defense going into next week because they are playing the Miami Dolphins. So that covers the week three instant reaction. We went over the uh, scoring leaders for each position and we gave an early preview of the waiver wires. So I'm going to go ahead and close up this show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotTakesFF. That's N-O-T-T-A-K-E-S-F-F, Twitter and Instagram. The interaction on Twitter is always great, especially Sunday mornings. I've been doing sort of a last-minute roster help session where if it's waivers, you know, start-sit decisions, uh, trades, I want to make sure I answer those. I've been given some pretty sound advice, and people seem to be liking it. Uh, so Hopefully you guys continue to join me on there and we can help you dominate each week and get you the W. If you feel like you prefer email, it's nottakesff at gmail.com. Ask us any questions through there and we'll be sure to get back to you. Visit our podcast homepage, anchor.fm forward slash nottakesff. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash nottakesff. You can listen to us there. You can subscribe. You can find links to the 12 major platforms that we're on. For those that do listen specifically on Apple Podcasts, please give us a minute of your time and give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps. We love the feedback. Like I said last week, we got some feedback that we're taking to heart. So the only way we get better is if you provide us the feedback and it really helps us. So if you like what we're doing, please give us that time. But anywhere that you're listening, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, That way that you can get the podcast as we drop them. And last but not least, I know this is normally what Dan would do, but I want to give a shout out to his brother Tom for the awesome intro and the outro song to the Not Takes Fantasy Football podcast. Uh, It's a great song. It fits what we do. He played every instrument on it, mixed it himself. 
Uh, if you like what he's doing, it's that dude Tom on SoundCloud. So Tom, once again, thank you for all that you do. And for all of those that listen to this podcast, I want to thank you again. And I will talk to you on Tuesday where we look to go over some injuries, news, and notes and other important aspects to cover up week three. But until then, I will talk to you guys later.